Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. On Joy 99.7 FM. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Locker Room here on Joy 99.7 FM. With me, Oreku Ampofo, I will be touching on quite a number of issues today as is a weekend, a very big defining weekend for different teams and different clubs and different sports uh, out across the globe. But we'll be starting off the show uh, with our extreme focus on Team Ghana. And we'll be touching on the Black Galaxies as its decision weekend uh, in the first leg of the Chan qualifiers. Remember, the team have failed to qualify for the last three editions and haven't participated in the competition uh, in about seven years or so. Uh, we'll be getting analysis on how the Black Galaxies can go past uh, their qualification case and be in Algeria for the 2023 uh, Chan uh, tournament as well. We'll also uh, be hearing from Ampim Dakwa ladies uh, who are currently in Africa in the CAF Wafu uh, Zone B Champions League. Uh, they are four points after two games, but what are their chances and can they replicate the successes of Hazakis ladies? We would also be touching on the Division 1 Super League uh, with the semi-final and final taking place all the way in Chebi. Today we have our reporter Razak Musbao on the ground to be getting an update uh, on that tournament. And then we'll come to boxing where Richard Kome has a big fight this weekend. However, the headline has been away from the fight as the president of the Ghana Boxing Association says that he does not consider Richard Kome as a Ghanaian boxer. We'll bring you more details as well as more preview ahead of the Formula One weekend and then the UEFA Champions League draw which took place and brought about quite a tasty group stages to look forward to. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is the Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM.
Well, we travel to Cape Coast in our first story as we talk about the Black Galaxies who welcomed Nigeria in the first leg of the final round of the 2023 Chan qualifiers. Uh, the team got to this stage after beating Benin in both legs uh, quite comfortably uh, by a 4 0 aggregate and would now have to just go past Nigeria to ensure that they qualify uh, to the competition for the first time in seven years. Uh, but joining us via phone lines is a voice that we're pretty familiar with here at the Multimedia Group, and that is Abeku Otre, who's one of us. Abeku, you're in Cape Coast, and what's been the mood like ahead of a- another installment of the Jalof Derby this weekend? <laughs> well, it's been it's been uh, quite uh, an atmosphere here in Cape Coast because you know people are getting themselves ready for their first year here. But for the news of the Black Galaxies, it's been on the low a bit because publicity certainly have been down. Um, but um, of course, uh, people saw the bus run through town as they were coming for training, and they've been asking questions what um, it is on the ground that the local black stars will be playing in Nigeria. It's a fixture that I know people uh, move to the stadium for uh, because we are learning today from the officials that it will be free at the gate. So uh, people are getting themselves in the mood um, just from seeing the bus in town, them getting into training uh, for, for the Joel of Derby. Well, Abeku, stay with me, uh, but still on the role that the fans have to play. Let's hear from captain of the side, Gladson Awako, who calls for the fans uh, to come in their numbers on Sunday. After that, you could see from the second half, we were able to come into um, into into the game. So... Um, I feel say um, this very game will be a very very good exercise for us to 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 get into the Sunday's game. So I'm um, yeah, sure uh, Ghana foreign and say we should come in the Anamets because we can't do it without them. You're behind him say any Nigeria neighbor and the fans matters a lot. So we need them to come and push us to 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 get the maximum every points. Now. Yeah, we really need them and we are ready and we are going to deliver. Well, Glasson Awaku says that the Black Galaxies are going to deliver. Abeku Otre is still on the line with me. He's in Cape Coast. Abeku, you've seen the team train this week uh, after their return uh, from Qatar, uh, from Austria, actually, where they faced the Qatari national team. And we had Glasson Awaku uh, reviewing that game that they lost by two goals to one. Let's Before we come to how the team are fed in training, how would you assess the team's performance uh, the game against Benin, the friendly against Qatar. How strong have they looked? Well, that's that's the first question that I put to the coach um, right after the exercise today. And he tells me that, well, something happened today, first of all, at the training ground. They grouped at the center of the pitch to talk about what they saw wrong in the um, Qatari game. I mean, they were talking about, um, I tried to penetrate through the players to know what exactly they spoke about. And of course, they indicated that they spoke about the errors that transpired in the Qatari friendly. And um, they feel they paid a lot of respect to the Qatarians and um, that resulted into the early goals they considered. But they went into, um, you know, research to speak to themselves about going into the game with the confidence. And it's a reason why uh, they got a deflection which resulted into the 2-1 uh, that transpired in, in Austria. But um, what they tried to do today is, you know, 
do a bit of movement in trying to correct you know where they ended from in the game against Qatar. So um, it was a bit of uh, you know they were they were filled with smiles, but it's their activity on the pitch was a bit serious today, trying to get themselves in the mood for, for, for Nigeria. They want to do the, the, the magic. Well, you speak of doing the magic, Abiku, but the big question is Ghana has to find a way of qualifying for the Chan again. Uh, when it started, you know, Ghana got to the final, uh, came back to the next edition, didn't perform so well, and then uh, went very deep into the tournament again where they got to the final. Uh how would you describe the fact that the country has not qualified for the Chan in the past three editions? What do you think has been the major stumbling block? Uh, I feel we've not gotten the right crop of players who believe in themselves. I feel um, we've not paid much attention into how we prepare going into Chan. This time around, we've gotten the team an exposure. It has refreshed their minds. Uh, it's giving them that cool, you know, thought of going into uh, the game with a bit more of seriousness. I mean, we have great guys in the setup now. You know, the combination of um, the four and five, uh, i.e. putting together more Alhas either Yadom or you know any of the guys I watched them again before their Benin game I feel the seriousness is much higher the coach of course spoke about that initially you know prior to wrapping up the Benin uh, fixture before coming into the, the Nigerian one which is to commence on Friday they are focused now you see that these are top guys we selected from from every department there's lights in, in the team from the midfield I mean Umar Basiri have been excellent when he gets opportunity uh, to play when you talk about uh, you know other guys who even came in late but pulled up surprises you know, in the friendly against Kempo, for example, and again in the game against uh, Benny. Now, Bright AJ, the new introduction into the setup. I got to uh, speak with him just on the light note uh, after training grounds, and he also wants to make a mark. That we all know that Free Banya is on form. He scored in the Qatar friendly. And, um, you know, just as the captain said, they all want to put themselves together. They know it's a long while since Ghana, uh, you know, partook in the, in the Chan proper. They want to make that history, but that would have to start on Sunday. Well, of course, it would have to start on Sunday if we were to make history. But I just wanted to touch more on Brighter Jane and the other additions. Uh, do you know of the reason why uh, there were new additions made to the team? Yeah, of course. We all know that Imori Ibrahim did uh, come into the setup because he's joined a club side and he would need to also make an impression in their preparation for the calf activities as well. And, um, you know, of course, he was the integral part or integral member of, of the side. You talk about Imoro. The likes of Augustine Okra didn't have his, you know, um, things proper with the setup. And, of course, Yawa Noah as well because of, uh, uh, you know, the transfer movement and all of that. Uh, Bright is brought into the setup to add a bit of sharpness up front. We know him to be a guy that plays with a lot of seriousness. He's more focused on the game. We've known him at his club side. Uh, he's a leader in that team. He's, he's you know, played the team constantly and gained a bit of experience in the uh, Ghanaian uh, League. So, I mean, coming up into the local Black Stars or the Black Galaxies, if you want to call it, he's expected to bring in more experience up front to give a lot of options to the technical team and to make sure that whatever that they are doing. Of course, today we saw him uh, in training, you know, more sharper, um, a bit more concentrated because you have to gel quickly with the setup. I mean, these are guys he's played 
against and all of that uh, way. So, you know, you want to put this focus as part of what the whole focus is for the entire team to make sure they get the all-important uh, maximum goals here before they go to the MKO Stadium in Abuja. Well, thank you very much, Abeko. But just before I take leave of you, in a few seconds, uh, just your your way of predictions. How do you see this this tie ending? <laughs> I love how you put it high ended. I asked the coach about. Um, he tells me that he goes into every uh, game praying to God to give him result resulting. You know, and um, the last time he predicted, he got it right against Benin. This time when I asked him, he said he wants to go and sleep this night. Friday night, wake up tomorrow, uh, they will be training tomorrow early in the morning, then he'll come to me with the uh, results for tomorrow. But I feel we should get goals, and 3-1 wouldn't be far from, uh, you know, uh, a prediction. Well, thank you very much, Abeku Otre, joining us all the way from Cape Coast. Uh, we'll be hearing more of him, especially as the Black Galaxies seek to qualify for the Chan tournament for the first time in seven years. In their way is Nigeria. Uh, who themselves would be posing quite a huge amount of threat. Uh, but let's move on from the Black Galaxies and come back to Ghana uh, because the Division 1 League Super Cup just concluded in Chibi and Liberty Professionals have officially been crowned as champions of the 2022 Division 1 League Super Cup after beating Instrachman by one goal to nil. Uh, joining us live from Chibi uh, would be our reporter Razak Musbal uh, who's been stationed at Chibi since Tuesday uh, wrapping up and uh, bringing us you know exclusive reports interviews and all that you had to know concerning uh, the Division 1 League Super Cup uh, but this was put together uh, for the teams that you know finished in the top two of the Division One League in each of their zones, and the semi-final stage uh, was taken to uh, Chebi uh, to give them a different feel, a, a new look, and a more competitive feel towards the competition. Uh, but before the final was played this evening, uh, there was some action uh, for the third and fourth place actually between Samatex and Tamale City. Now, it was Samatex who defeated Tamale City uh, 4-2 on penalties uh, to claim third spot uh, after the game ended 1-1 in regulation time. And so we've seen quite a huge amount of drama. Uh, Samatex themselves in the semifinals, uh, they lost 1-0 to Liberty Professionals. And then Tamale City in the other semifinal uh, drew 1-1 in that game with Satraman uh, before heading to a penalty shootout, which they also lost. And so Samali City, unfortunately, uh, losing uh, the semi-final and then the third and fourth uh, place game by the same margin in penalty shootout. Both games ending 1-1 and then losing 4-2 uh, on the penalty shootout. Uh, we're still trying to uh, reconnect to Razak Musbao. It looks like we do have some technical challenges, uh, but the breaking story coming in from Chibi is that Liberty Professionals have beaten newly promoted in Shatraman FC by one goal to nil at the Chibi AstroTurf to lift the 2022 Division 1 League Super Cup.
We're still live here on Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Uh, we still stay on football, actually, uh, but we head to women's football and talk about Ampem Daquan ladies because they are involved in the Wafu Zone B Women's Champions League qualifiers. Uh, we don't have to think all the way back to remember uh, what Hazaka's ladies achieved in the competition just a few months ago. Now, the big question is, have Ampim Dakwa ladies showed enough that they can replicate what was done? Uh, joining me on the phone lines is Susan Owusu-Ansa, who has followed the team really, really well. Uh, Susan, it's a pleasure to have you here this evening. Uh, so far, two games for the Ampim Dakwa ladies. Uh, what's your overall assessment of the team? Thank you, Oriko. My assessment of the team, they won their first game. They are placed second. Then they do go less with just two days ago. Um, looking at the standard, Hazakas did this certainly. I think I'm going to give us same vibe. Uh, watching their last game, I mean, I'm not too convinced about them. Hopefully, in the next game tomorrow. They can give us something better, a better performance of their previous game. Well, speaking of improving on their performances, uh, from what you've seen, how far do you think the team can go? It's, it's possible. They can qualify because, you know, two teams will qualify to meet the other two teams to play for finals and the semi-finals. Uh, it's possible. They can make it out of their group stages. And I know with one or two changes made in the team, they can advance to, they can go to Morocco. I'm very sure of that. Mm. Uh, so just just a, a case of clarifying issues for us here. What do they have to do to get to Morocco? Is a semi-final best enough or they have to get to the final? They have to get to the finals. They mm. need to get to finals and win and win the final game. And Susan, just to uh, also wrap up with you, uh, there's been that question of Hazakas ladies and Ampim Dakwa ladies. And it's still no fault of, uh, you know, Ampim Dakwa ladies. But we saw Hazakas ladies go almost all the way where they reached the final of the competition proper and were beaten by Mamlodi Sandals uh, women's team. From what you've seen so far with Ampim Dakwa ladies team, do you think they have it in them to replicate or even do better than Hazakas ladies did last year? Yes, after the quad, they, they have it. They have it. They can, they can do better. If you look at their team, they've beefed up with a lot of good players, like um, the likes of Constance Wajima, who was very instrumental for baby ladies last season when they played second. They have Gladys Amphobia, a very experienced player. They've also added one of the best right backs in Ghana women's football, uh, Mata. So I think without them beef their team, they've learned from hazardous mistakes. If they they take their chances right. They have um, their technical team being led by Mr. Tego. She's the technical director now. So I believe they've done the assignment very good. And um, they've, they've had something to watch from what happened to Azaka's ladies. They can they can do well. I expect them to do well and even go to the final and bring us the trophy. That's what I'm thinking. Um, Azaka's ladies all right, thank you very much, Susan Owusu and for making time to join us this evening on Locker Room to talk about Ampim Dakwa ladies who are currently competing in the Wafu Zone B.
CAF Champions League Women's Qualifiers. Uh, we'll continue to bring you updates on that. Lightweight Championship of the World, representing his homeland of Accra, Ghana, Richard R.C. Well, it's time to now focus on boxing uh, because uh, our own Richard Comey uh, would be in action this evening. Uh, actually, this weekend, uh, that's around Saturday midnight, and he faces uh, Jose Pedraza in what should be a fantastic fight. Now, joining us. Uh, this evening on Locker Room is Michael Nikwe, who's an international uh, boxing referee. And good evening, Michael, and it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, let's start off by talking about Richard Kome and what he's achieved in the past few months, and maybe years. Heading into this fight, what are your expectations for the Ghanian? Well, good evening once again. Yeah, I think that um, Richard Kome is... Coming off from um, a long layoff when he was um, defeated by um, Vasilo Machenko. But having said that, I think that this is the right weight for him and he's going to go there to do what he used to do. I must say that um, there's a, a lot of transformation around Richard Comey. Um, in, in his last fight, prior to the championship, and I think that on the way way in there, I realized that it looked very dehydrated. So um, that was when I, I felt that Richie needs to move up in weight. And after after that, by the help of his management, he has really done that. And I'm happy for him moving up in weight. I think that uh, we're going to have um, a two-time world champion again. I mean, this is not it. This is... Look... He is going there, and I don't think he should leave any stone on 10. This is a chance for him. If he manages to get his win, probably he'll have another one or two more um, at the Super Lightweight division. And by the help of his management, he can get another shot again. Well, Michael, I'll come back to you on Richard Comey's decision to move up in weight. But I want you to listen to uh, the Ghana Boxing Authority's president, that's Ibrahim Nee Kote, who spoke earlier today exclusively to Joy Sports and actually said that the GBA have disowned Richard Comey. So as things stand, they're not concerned about the bout this weekend. Let's hear from the president. And then when we come back, Michael, I'll hear your thoughts. And I'm talking as a president of Ghana Boxing Authority. Uh, we have no connection with Richard Kome. So I wouldn't want to talk about him. But as an individual, as Kote Nikwe, I'll say good luck to him. Yes. Uh, how come the Ghana Boxing Authority do not have any connection with Richard Kome? He's a Ghanaian. We've banned Richard Kome. He said uh, he preferred paying is a development fee to the uh, U.S. authority. So we don't see him as one of the Ghanaian boxers again, as I said. So we have no interest at all 
in the uh, fight, but as quoted Nikwe, again, or individual, I said, uh, I wish him good luck. Well, that was president of the GBA. Uh, Michael, pretty strong words from Abraham Ni Kote. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that um, there's a lot of things that has, that has transpired in the past. You know, um, as um, Ghanaian baseball says outside, when, when you fight, you are supposed to pay a best percentage to, to, to the Ghana Boxing Authority, which Isaac Dogbe has done. Um, in the lives of um, Richard Comey, he, he didn't do well. And then there was a, a lot of, uh, I mean, um, things going on in the media. Uh, he's saying a lot of things against the GB and then the board. And then the GB also coming back and then um, burning him. So I think that um, the, the president has spoken. Um, for for him, he's wishing him uh, good luck. But in the, in the point of the body, uh, I think the body has burned him. But as, as we, as Ghanaians, we all support and we all wish him well. You know, I'm not taking anything away from the president. I think that um, this is a decision that the board took, not him alone. So I wouldn't want to um, go into that, please. Uh, but, Michael, sh- should this really be a case, uh, you know, to ban a boxer over uh, a supposed payment of pairs? A percentage, a percentage to the Ghana Boxing Authority, um... Um, development fund. That is what every Ghanaian base, Ghanaian base boxers outside are supposed to do when they fight. Every one of them. Well, yeah, I do. I do understand. Uh, you, you know that explanation, but but do you think this will in any way affect Kome's psyche heading into uh, his first bouncings moving up in weight? And not at all. I think Kome Kome um, has really psyched himself proud to, to this particular bout. Um, he's, he's a strong chap. He has really uh, prepared himself for this. And so I don't think this is going to affect him. Not at all. Okay, that that definitely is good to hear. Uh, but let me take your thoughts again on the moving up in weight. It's going to be his first fight. Uh, what do you think would be running through his head? And uh, how different do you think uh, that the super lightweight is going to be? Look, I must say that the super lightweight division is, is quite packed. And there are a lot of credible um, guys um, in that division. And I think that Richard Comey um, can, 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 can probably be in that circle. Look, um, when he was at the lightweight division, prior to his last bout with uh, Vasily Lomachenko, I realized that, you know, when, when you, are, you are growing as a boxer, you need to grow in weight. You don't need to rather reduce or dehydrate a bit. When you look at the way prior to the, 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 the night of the fight, it looked very dehydrated. So I think that I had a chat with Matt and I said, look, Matt, the advice I have for his team is that he needs to move up in weight. And that is exactly what he did. When his team got to Accra, I sat down with the, manage, uh, the manager and I said, this is what I see. And he said, oh, Mike, we, we've thought about this and... Um, it's time for him to probably enjoy after the fight and then we'll sit down as a team and then we'll, we'll plan something out of it. And truly, um, that is exactly what they are doing. I think Richard Comey will be much, much stronger at the super lightweight division and it's going to cause um, fear and panic at that division. I must say, look, um, having said that, I think that Jose Pedraza, uh, uh, um, Pedraza is one of the strong champions. He's a, he's a two-time champion, world champion, from the featherweight to lightweight division. 
And he has even attempted to take a title when he faced Jose Ramirez, but he lost. So I, I, I don't think um, he's, he's one of the pushover guys. He's going there to give Kome a very tough fight. Look, for him, um, when when you are fighting someone like Jose Pedraza, you need to be up in your game, especially from round one to round seven. You need to make sure you are not going to give him chance because Jose Pedraza always gains strength and gains. I mean, he, he's not going to lose fat. I mean, he's not going to be tired going to the championship rounds. He's going to mount pressure on you, come at you. So if you are able to take rounds um, one to seven or one to eight. I think that you are already gone throughout the fight. So this is um, something that Richie needs to do with his team. Make sure they are very tactical in their approach and then um, um, approach the fight very strategically. And um, the victory will be his if he's able to do that. Well, Michael, just to wrap up with you, um, by way of custom, uh, what we usually do here on Joy, I would like to take your prediction. How do you see the fight ending? (laughs) You know what? I don't want to take the win out of your soul, you know. Uh-huh. Um, the betting guys are very unhappy with us when we make predictions because people, ah. people normally tend to, you know. Yeah. So I'll leave that, I'll leave that but I think that Richard will, will make us proud. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mike, uh, Michael Nikwe. Uh, he's yeah, an international uh, boxing referee and he previewed uh, the big fight uh, for uh, Richard Comey. Uh, this weekend, uh, but the big story concerning Kome is that earlier today, uh, the GBA president, as Abraham Nikote, uh, confirmed that Richard Kome is not considered as a Ghanaian as he has been disowned by the GBA. However, that would not affect Richard Kome in any way as he fights his first bout in the super lightweight division against Jose Pedraza this weekend. now time to switch our attentions to Formula One. Brand new season, brand new tour. It's the Bahrain Grand Prix and it's lights out and away we go. Charles Leclerc is going to win from pole again and start the season off with celebrations for Ferrari. Charles Leclerc wins the Bahrain Grand Prix and it is a one-two finish for the Scuderia. Carlos Sainz comes home in second. Lewis Hamilton to his podium tally, he comes home in third. So Formula 1 is the Belgium Grand Prix. After uh, quite a long wait, uh, the summer break, uh, the Formula 1 returns and joining me uh, on the phone lines uh, is Raymond Nyamadu, a familiar voice when it comes to Formula 1 here in Ghana. Uh, Raymond, Formula 1 has been away for a while, so we've not heard from you. Hope you're doing well. And... Uh, 
we're back. What are some of the changes and what do you think we should expect uh, in the second half of the season? Well, good evening to you, Riku, and good evening to our listeners out there. Well, good to be back again. I'm doing very well, Riku. Well, I think that um, it's going to be an interesting restart to the Formula 1 season because um, you have new rules being introduced. And before we went for the break, we all know Mercedes had been struggling with their purpose issues, the bouncing of the car. And so there was a rule change. And so what actually happened is that as part of making sure the driver's safety and uh, controlling the bounce is ensured or assured, um, authorities have decided to actually introduce a new technical directive. And that means that teams like Ferrari and Red Bull, who many felt were taking advantage of the flexi flaws, um, have now been asked to place a limit on it. So what that means is that you are going to see the pace of Red Bull and Ferrari drop by at least 0.3 seconds. Uh, in terms of the lap time. And so, um, despite the fact that Chris Horner has spoken about the fact that it's not going to affect Red Bull, you could always tell that once everybody is driving on a level playing field, if you're unable to deal with your purposing issues, it would mean that you're going to have that bounce, you know, once or twice in the course of the race. And so, that's one of the new rule changes that has come in. And then you also talk about the fact that going into this race, you can count as many as um, seven drivers, uh, Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon, Valtteri Bottas, um, you talk about Max Verstappen, they are drivers who are not going to start, you know, in front. Regardless of what happens in qualifiers, they are going to start at the back of the grid. Simply because you talk about a driver like Charlie Clark, he has gone for a new energy store, he's also gone for a new gearbox, and then you talk about um, a new MGU case. Uh, when we talk about MGU case, talking about the motor generator unit Kinetic and uh, motor generator unit Heat. You know, both drivers, I mean, Charlie Clark and Verstappen have gone for these changes to their engines, and so they have to serve a great penalty. So the key protagonists in terms of the leaderboard, um, Max Verstappen leading in the second place, Charlie Clark, would have to fight from behind to see if they can get into um, podium positions. And that's going to be a very tricky one. For Team Mercedes, I mean, they were beginning to get into the, the, the season. I mean, they were, they were getting over their problems and beginning to show some fantastic performances before we went for the break. And so you would always expect them to uh, just continue for where they left off. And so I'm talking about Spa. Um, Spa is always that circuit that's a bit tricky. For most drivers, balancing straight line speed and the high downforce requirements always seems to be a problem. In the corners, it actually seems to shoot a lot of cars because of you know, the downforce. And so you lose a lot of speed uh, because of how you'd have to set up your car for high downforce. That seems to be the challenge for most drivers and balancing it. So um, it looks like it's going to be a very interesting season. But talking about Spa-Francorchamps, the circuit itself, it's seen some upgrades over the last few years since that strange race in 2021 where there wasn't a race because it had rained and the finishing position during qualifiers had to be the, the, the criteria for awarding the winner of the race. Uh, we've seen some $80 million spent on the circuit to at least um, bring in some, you know, safety mechanisms just to make sure we avoid a lot of accidents. Because in the past, we all know how the radio has been quite problematic. And so, um, in terms of the circuit itself, we are going to see an improved circuit because some surfaces have been relayed uh, just to make sure it's a bit kind to wear and tear and all. So I think that's going to be interesting. The tie compounds that will be introduced should not, you know, suffer a lot of tie degradation. And so 
Um, in terms of the race itself, if it doesn't rain like we saw in 2021, I think that we should have a very exciting race. And talking about the spa again, uh, this may be the last time we might see a race in Formula 1 at spa because their, their, their contract would expire after Sunday. And so depending on what happens as far as the Sochi Autodrome, the Russian, the Russian Grand Prix or the Chinese Grand Prix, is, uh, regardless of what happens or depending on what happens, uh, we might see Spa not be part of the 2023 season. So uh, basically these are some of the things that have been going on uh, ahead of the start of the, the, the second half of the season. Well, Raymond, as we get ready to talk about the second half, I'll come to that. But I just wanted to ask for uh, teams like Mercedes who are beginning to pick up some form of momentum. What do you think a long break like this might do to them? Well, Mercedes have been trying to learn about that W13 Challenger. It's been it's been a problem for them trying to address their purposing issues. And we saw how they came back in the course of the season. Despite the fact that they were in races, they were in positions where they could actually challenge for top spot, they had to consolidate second or third spot or possibly fourth just to make sure they stay within the points. It clearly tells you that Mercedes have not been fast. So what they've been able to do is to, as, as much as possible, try to improve on their speed. And so and if you want to improve on your speed, you will possibly have to trade a bit more downforce just to make sure you get a bit more straight line speed or you get a bit more speed when you get into the corners. And so it's it, it always been a problem for Mercedes. And so in the course of this break, they've been trying to fine-tune that engine, make sure they focus on building the floor just to be able to tackle that purposing issue. And you can clearly tell that they haven't done so many major upgrades to their engine because in the course of the season, they have kept upgrading their engine, kept upgrading the car. So they seem to find it in a position where um, they would believe that it should be able to race properly in this particular race. That's why the fact that we've not seen a lot of explosive speed from Mercedes in practice. Um, I, I want to believe that Mercedes are saving the best for the last, I mean, in terms of qualifiers or in terms of the race itself. But they have been able to spend some time in the workshop trying to fix the car based on what they've been able to learn from the races we've seen in the last few weeks. Yeah. They've been trying to just try to sort that engine out just to make it a bit more competitive for the next nine, nine races in the course of the season. Well, Raymond, uh, just to wrap up with you on this question, uh, we, I, I think we can assume that Max Verstappen would end as the race leader uh, come the end of uh, the season. Do you agree? And if you do, who do you think will end up coming second? Well, having opened an 80-point lead, I think that it's Red Bulls to lose in terms of the Drivers' Championship, in terms of the Constructors' Championship. They have opened uh, quite a huge gap. Now, what's actually going to happen is that we would expect Ferrari to perform because they are the closest challengers to uh, Red Bull. If, uh, if Ferrari fail to perform, uh, then it possibly means that Sergio Perez could come in second. Now, what's actually going to happen this time around is that you look at Ferrari and their challenges, they have the fastest car on the grid. What has been their problem has been how they've self-destructed, um, messing up with their team strategies, the drivers, you know, messing up, you know, a time that you would expect them to actually deliver they have self-destructed. But that's aside, they have the best car on the circuit. And so if they're able to sort out their issues and possibly with the new rules coming in and the advantage that they had in the first round not being there, I think that we may possibly see a level playing field. Uh, we might just see uh, quite an interesting contest getting to the end of the season. But I still think that 
it's Red Bulls to lose. Max Verstappen is in terrific form. If he wins this weekend, he's going to win race number nine in the course of the season. And I think that despite the fact that it will be very difficult, both drivers find themselves at the back of the grid. It will be very difficult for them to possibly make a podium finish this weekend. I still think that um, the next eight races, we might see them get into the competition and challenge for the title. But I think that um, if, if Red Bull are going to win this one, definitely with the pace of Ferrari, uh, they should be able to finish second. And Mercedes would gladly accept that spot because they know that they've really struggled in the course of the season because of their car. All right, thank you very much, uh, Raymond uh, Nyamadu, uh, for uh, bringing us uh, some perspective oh, to your Formula you. One, which returns this weekend with the Belgium Grand Prix. We come back to football, but this time we focus more on European football action. And Real Madrid have it to do now. Ball down the left-hand side. He's moving at a great pace. It's Vinicius Junior inside the penalty box, but he loves to score. Vinicius Junior, and he slots on the ball down into the right-hand side. Real Madrid have the second goal. It's three goals to two. Kick of the football. A kick of the football from Daniele De Rossi to move to within touch. The standard bearer, the gladiator-in-chief for the Roman army. Bursting into it, lovely dribble comes down a challenge. Referee's allowed play to go on. It's a playing advantage, and it's a wonderful shot. Absolute belter there from Bernardo Silva. Famous captain's goal for Ajax. They are irrepressible. Ajax have marched into Juve's Turin mansion, and they have turned over the furniture. The Ajax boys have kicked over the old lady. Well, I love that Champions League anthem. Football really never starts until it starts playing, doesn't it? Uh, joining me in studio is another familiar voice on JFM, but I'm sure you usually hear him uh, when he's giving you the news. Kukwa uh, Sante, when he's not uh, giving all those reports in the news, is usually a Barcelona fan or so. Barcelona have been in the news all summer. Uh, they finally managed to register all their signings, so thank God. Uh, but let's talk about the Champions League draw. How do you find the group uh, being alongside, you know, Bayern Munich once again? I mean, I look, I look at the 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 group. I mean, easily the group of death: Bayern, Barcelona, Inter Milan, and then Victoria Pleasant. So I look at this group, and I'm I'm thinking, listen, this is the toughest group of the lot. It's going to be difficult, but it's not beyond Barcelona. I mean, if I'm to be fanatic, I would say we'll go through it easily. But Bayern Munich will not be a walk in the park. Obviously, we have a record with them. Our record in the just the past few years has not been very good. I mean, I don't even want to remind myself of the last eight-two defeat <laughs> last year. We met them again in the, in the Champions League. They whipped us home and away. That is how we dropped into the Europa League, right? But this season, I look at the quality of the team we had last season, last two seasons, and I look at what we have now. What I think is that the best Bayern Munich will get from the two legs in the group stage is a point. Either a draw at Allianz Arena or a draw at Camp Nou. Mm. But what, uh, the Spotify Camp Nou. One way or the other, Barca wins one of those two legs and draw one of them at least. I think it will be, it will be tough, but Bayern are now without their talisman. 
Lewandowski, mm-hmm. and he's not anywhere else. He's on the opposite side. Yeah. Of course, Mane is a good reinforcement for the team. I've I've, I've seen them once in the Bundesliga, scoring six, scoring seven. They seem very strong. They they look like they've not lost anything at all. But I feel like if you look at Barcelona in all our facets, right? You look at our defense, you look at our goalkeeping, you look at our midfield, you look at our attack. Indeed, before this transfer window ends, there's the possibility of adding Bernardo Silva to it. I mean, Man City today, Pep Guardiola spoke and said there's no negotiation, but I, I don't think it's done yet. So, you look at our team, I think that even playing our second set team, we can, we can, we can prove our, ourselves against Bayern. Mm. And so if you're going to play Bayern with Lewandowski, Ansu Fati, Rafinha, and then our midfield try of um, Busquets, De Jong, and maybe Gavi or Kessie or any of the guys. It's going to be very incredible. So I look at that. I think the standout game will be against Bayern Munich. Inter Milan, I don't see them at all. They said they said Valverde beat them while sleeping. Right. With that, that <laughs> team, we, we filled that like a, a third team. Team. At the time, Fatih was, was yeah. not coming up. Puig and all the guys were there. And we beat them home and away. Oh, Lukaku won't make any difference. <laughs> Lukaku came to Chelsea. He didn't do anything. Victoria Pleasant, obviously, is going to be that team that everybody's going to beat in the group. So, I look at our group as tough, but I tip Barcelona to top the group, Bayern to qualify with us in second. Mm. Inter Milan will be third. They'll go to the Europa League. <laughs> Pleasant would have to go and hope that next year, if they still qualify, they get some sort of a better group for them to see. But I, I think it's tough, but I, I don't think it's anything that Barcelona cannot do. We are cruising to the round of 16 at the top of that group. Okay, I'll come back to you on the real expectations for Xavi in the Champions League. Uh, but let's head to Group G, where we see Pep Guardiola's Man City uh, take on Sevilla, Dortmund and FC Copenhagen. Remember, Man City themselves have been trying to win the Champions League uh, for the very first time. And we have a Man City fan on the phone lines, Kojo Heming. Uh, Kojo, it's good to have you here this evening. Yeah, too. I wished you well. Is that curse finally over? <laughs> um, I I don't know if it's if it's a curse, but personally, I feel like in City's Champions League failures, it is not really a curse. It's just that in the moment where you expect the best team in Europe to win, we failed in that regard. You, you saw it against Monaco in Pepsic. You know? uh, we went out to Liverpool also the same way, conceding late goals. Tottenham, we also conceded late goals to exit. And even recently against Real Madrid, we capitulated in the last five minutes. So it is in those moments is where you show you are the best, when you show you, you are the champion. And quite frankly, we just didn't um, show up in those moments. Oh, Manqua, Pep Guardiola granted an interview where he says that it was starting to give vibes as if, you know, his time at Man City may be coming to an end, suggesting that it gets to a time where you get used to it and you get tired of it. And you see how he feels, especially after the World Cup year. Do you get that feeling that as a fan, if Pep Guardiola fails to win the Champions League this season uh, with Erling Haaland and the team, he may consider uh, maybe taking some time off like he's been preaching along? Um, I don't think if people have quite caught this, but I think as early as just two seasons ago, 
he was contemplating um, kind of like leaving. I, I quite remember the year we won the four trophies and missed out on the Champions League. Uh, I don't know. He had an interview with, I think, Guillain Ballard. Yeah, and he mentioned that kind of thing. And he said to himself, personally, he said that when it comes to these Champions League failures, he talks to the players and tries to get like their, their thoughts and opinions and he's and in in a different uh, presser, but he mentioned that when the players don't want it, like when the players don't feel like it, he will leave the club. And so I kind of think, yeah, there's a there's a possibility in my half of the season because with the three key departures this summer, um, Jesus and Shelly and student, they all wanted to leave. Uh, last season, but Pep talked to them and he was able to hold them on for another season before reluctantly letting them go. So to Pep, it's very important to him that he knows he and the players have an understanding, have a commitment for the rest of the season. So I I also believe that if this is not easy, yeah, this might be final season at the club. Uh, well, Kujuba, are you optimistic ahead of the season? Uh, do you think that this could finally be Man City's year? <laughs> I mean, every year City has, uh, how do you call it? The bookmakers always put City as a favorite that uh, they are supposed to win the Champions League. But every year, it's, it's the same story. And personally, I don't know why booking market, based on statistics and history, don't adjust and consider the fact that City have been knocked out in the last X years, so they shouldn't really be favoured. But I understand where they are coming from. But this year in particular, the, what concerns me is um, the lack of uh, versatility in attack. After losing a player like Gabriel Jesus, after losing a player like Raheem Sterling, who give us a different dimension in attack, they're able to take on players, they're able to run in behind after losing two guys like that, who often came up with very important goals and performances in big games, you kind of look at the current squad now and ask yourself who is going to come up when we need them this season. Because their their replacements so far have been um, um, Grealish, who we signed last season, and Cole Palmer, um, who we promoted from the academy, as well as Junior Alvarez. And with these three guys, Grealish is not a scorer. Alvarez is it will be in his first season after South American football. And Copama is an academy player. So you kind of look at that attack and ask yourself like when City are in those tight corners, where would the goal come from? So that's my main issue. But I I think we have a good enough spot to compete. Well thank you very much, Kojo Heming, Man City fan for joining us. Uh quick question, just ten seconds. What would be a good Champions League season for Xavi and Barcelona? Semi-final, the least. He should be in the semi-final. <laughs> and uh, we must be competing to win. I mean, look at the kind of quality, the depth we have. Mm. I've said it. We need to win the La Liga. We need to win at least one other domestic trophy, either the Super Cup mm. or Copa del Rey. Mm. And the Champions League is semi-final at least, or he gets the sack.
Wow. Yeah. Quite quite bold words from Barcelona fan Koko Santi, uh, who is with the Joy News team here. Uh, but before we go, let's just touch on the Gusa Games, which was launched today. It's moving from Accra Ligon to KNUSD, and joining us on the phone line is Dennis Kofi, uh, who is a journalist, a student journalist with Campus Radio, uh, that's Focus FM. Uh, Dennis, it's an honor to have you. Uh, in just a few minutes, I, I think Dennis just dropped. Uh, yeah, Dennis. Just, okay, okay. Dennis says he's here. Sorry about that. In just a few minutes, uh, could you just highlight some of the changes and what the key details were at the launch today for the Gusa Games? All right. So, just as you mentioned, the Gusa Games was launched today at Kennedy Campus. That's at the Great Hall on Kennedy Campus. So the GUSA will be taking place from the 4th of November, that's 2020, to the 19th of November. It's a two-week long games program. So the theme for the GUSA games this year was harnessing sporting talent of students for national development through healthy competition using science and technology. So at the event today, well, three things were unveiled. First of all, we had the unveiling of the GUSA logo, which signifies, of course, diversity and the Genesis authority. And we also had the unveiling of the mascot, the official mascot for the games, and the name of the mascot is Nyansagro, and you should see the mascot, a very wonderful pot of flame, which is cheering on athletes. And also, we had the Gusa song, which was also unveiled at the event which happened today at the Great Hall on KNST campus. So, um, a, a very quick update, um, and the new game this year on the Gusa games will be beach volleyball. And you know in Kumasi, there is no beach here in, in Kumasi, there is no sea. But there will actually be beach volleyball in the Gusa Games on Kensington Campus, which will be happening from 4th November to 19th November this year. All right, thank you very much, uh, Dennis, uh, for joining us, giving us updates on the GUSA 2022, uh, which we would definitely be wrapping like we've always done as the Joy Sports team. Uh, that's how we'll be wrapping up this week's edition of Locker Room here on Joy 99.7 FM. A special mention to my producer, Mishai Ukweno, and the whole Joy Sports team for helping with production and all the guests who came in and shared their perspective on the issues. My name is Aurelio Kwambo. We'll be back again next week, Friday to preview yet another weekend in the world of sports. Up next on Joy 99.7 FM, it's the weekend warmer. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Joy 99.7 FM. After two successful clinics, the Ecobank Joy News have.